Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Corinthians 10 verses 1 to 13. Warning against idolatry. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud, and that all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate of the same spiritual food, and all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, most, most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. 23,000 of them fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Appreciate that. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, again, Matt's got a great uh, text for us, a great message ahead for us. Super challenging text, right? As you uh, were listening in on that, that's not one of the, uh, that's, that's, that's not light and fluffy, Paul. That is, well, Paul's never light and fluffy, but, pretty intense. but yeah. it's pretty intense uh, read. So, um, but Matt's got a great word coming uh, for us. Really looking forward to hearing that. So, let me just jump into it. Yeah, so uh, definitely a little bit of an experiment. Uh, but good morning. I hope things are going well where you are. I hope you guys have a nice warm cup of coffee and that you're there. Uh, yeah, as Aaron and Jake said, definitely challenging text. Uh, so, I mean, we'll do our best with it and we'll kind of roll with it and uh, see how it goes. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us in our ongoing streaming experiment to see how it all works. So over the last couple of weeks, we've made a relatively abrupt change. And I know that this has affected everyone that's listening, right? The COVID-19 and everything uh, with that. And so everything kind of switched to moving online. And the, that abrupt change also left us kind of in the middle of an impromptu COVID series. And so uh, we went through, we looked at 2 Timothy 1, 6 to 7, right? And we looked at not being controlled by fear. We asked, okay, well, in what spirit do we operate and what do we do? We, uh, we asked the question of, okay, well, where do we find control? Who has control? Um, we asked the question of, where do we find peace in troubled times, right? When uh, Aaron was speaking in 19 in perplexity and peace. Uh, we asked the question of, how are we supposed to be ready for everything? Can we be ready for everything? How are we supposed to prepare ourselves? And we looked at Jesus in Gethsemane. And then all of these drew on the, on the passion narrative, and they eventually led up to a Good Friday and then culminated last weekend. Easter Sunday. So what this morning is going to be and how this kind of fits in is this morning is just going to be a one-off. And so this is as we look forward and as we make some adjustments to upcoming series, we thought, well, this might be a good chance for Matt to step in and it might be a good chance just to kind 
kind of uh, step in and and just put something in between coming up with the next next series. Uh, and so what I wanted to do just with this time was just to share something as I was reading and praying. I thought, well, we could use this time to share something that's kind of been on my heart. And I came across these verses. So I just wanted to share with you what I found. And how this kind of fits into the larger picture as well is we've just come through Easter, right? Which is a declaration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Really the central piece to the Christian faith. I mean, if Jesus didn't rise, then we would be pitied about all men, right? But this did rise, then something has happened that, that shifts world history. Something uh, amazing and phenomenal and massive has happened. And during the Easter season, we focus on Jesus' death and his resurrection and what that means for us as we begin to follow him. And so following on the heels of Easter, I wanted to frame our talk with the question of, okay, well, now that the resurrection has happened, how are we supposed to live into that? What does the Christian life look like post-resurrection. What does it look like to follow Jesus in this time? And I'm just going to spoil something for you right out of the gate. Uh, I'm not going to be able to answer that question in full today, right? Huge question. Uh, Probably every sermon that you've ever heard has kind of been trying to answer that question in some piece or in some way. So this is multifaceted. This is complex. The gospel is something both simple in some ways, but immensely complex in others. But what I think today we'll do, and what I'm hoping it'll do, is it'll give us some practical and helpful guiding principles to keep with us as we walk forward into everything that God has for us. And and that's wherever you are on the journey, right? Maybe you're outside of Christianity and outside of faith, and you're like, who's this Jesus guy? I don't know. I'm hoping that as we go through and we point out some of these things that resonate with you, you'll be able to see that and be like, well, maybe there is something here. Maybe it'll spark something It'll spark a, a desire to look into more of this and a, a digging into, is this true? Is this not true? Maybe you're in a place where you uh, recently accepted Jesus. I think these are powerful things that we take hold of these things and hold on to them, that they'll take us a long way. And uh, I guess that applies for, for experience, too. I think that these are just uh, solid principles. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to reflect on our text, which was read for you, and then I'm going to follow four ways that following Jesus looks like today. So it's going to be helpful to give some background here before you understand how I'm drawing the points out, just so you, just so you know how these points are coming out of the text and a little bit of background. So Paul is writing to the people in a Greek city named Corinth here, right? Some of the church in Corinth were involved in these pagan temple meals and a pagan temple meal, that's not something that like happens normally right now. It's not like, oh, what did you do on Friday? Well, I went to the pagan temple and they had a large feast and I took part in that. Uh, so it's a little bit hard for us to understand. But the key part of this is it's part of worship uh, to other gods in that time, in that place. And so it seems as though the Corinthians thought that they could be involved in these temple meals. And these temple meals and their involvement in it, it wouldn't affect the Christian faith or it wouldn't affect following Jesus at all. So they seem to have this understanding that, well, because we were baptized, and, and because we took communion, that we are somehow protected. You know, maybe we're, we're safe from any kind of judgment from God. And so they said, okay, any wrath that God had towards us is gone. So they now have this insurance, and they interpreted this insurance as license. So they thought, okay, well, we can now do whatever it is that we want to do. We can do whatever it is that we please. And as you look at this warning, particularly in verses 12 to 13, I know that we read that whole section, but I really want to zoom in on those two verses. 
as we look at this morning, you can see a couple different threads here that point to what does it mean to live following Jesus here and now. And as Paul uh, warns the Corinthians, he's expressing warnings, right? And, and then you can take those negative warnings and you can kind of look at the positive aspect. Uh, and so that's what we're going to kind of do with some of these is I'm going to give you a little bit of the negative and I'll give you what the positive encouragement towards is on the other side of that. And uh, with my slides, what you're going to see is uh, you're going to see that I'm going to give you uh, each of the four points in full just as I talk through them. So one of the things that we see here is that Paul is warning them strongly against arrogance, right? It's the Corinthians brazenly indulging in idolatry without fear. And in doing that, they're opening themselves up to falling. And so Paul is telling them, anyone who stands, take heed lest he fall. And so the Corinthians in this case, they're sure that they stood firm. And Paul is encouraging them. He's saying, reflect, take heed, think this over again. You're in the wrong. Listen to me. You're in the wrong and you're walking the wrong way. Turn around and hear me. What you're doing will destroy yourselves. Hurt your community. And it's their pride and it's their arrogance and it's their presupposition that is making it possible for them to fall and to walk away into this place of destruction. And it is also making it difficult for Paul to get through to them. And that is why he's being so upfront here. That's why he gives all these shocking examples at the front part of the text. He's trying to get through to them. He's trying to make them listen. He's trying to make them. And that leads us into some sobering reflections on pride. I mean, one of the things that makes pride so insidious is that the more that we have, the more blind to it we become. The more proud we become, the less likely it is that we're going to recognize it. and the, the less likely it is that we're going to change. I mean, how do you repent, which means to turn around 180 degrees, right? How do you repent or how do you fix a problem if you don't really think that there is a problem? Uh, how do you say sorry without thinking that you're wrong? I learned that one from my wife. But pride is dangerous because it locks us into this permanent state, right? A state that prevents learning, that prevents change, that prevents ever coming to grips with our sin ever coming to grips with what is wrong and what is harmful and what is dark in our lives. It locks us into what is destructive for ourselves and for those around us. And it grieves the Holy Spirit. And I think this text looks at us and it talks to us and it says, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Uh, I think it says that we ought to have a healthy view of who we are as human beings. I mean, you'll often hear Aaron say, we are messy people with messy lives. And I think the truth in that is that, is that we know, we, sh- we ought to know that we can be wrong. We ought to know that we are prone to desire other things other than God. We ought to know that we are not better than other people. Um, we ought rather be people who are humble, to be people who are teachable who are people who are always willing to listen to instruction, who are always willing to consider whether we're wrong or something. Proverbs will tell us it's the wise person that heeds instruction and heeds counsel. And I think this text looks at us and it says that we ought to be people who are self-reflective and people who invite God into that self-reflection. Um, one question, is there, is there pride in our life, right? Let's rip that out before it has a chance to grow into something catastrophic. 
So what does it mean to follow Jesus in, in this time? At least one small piece of that, I think, is it means not to be arrogant, right? That's what your, this slide says. Rather, be humble and to esteem others better than ourselves. And so as we follow Jesus, we ought to be people that have a proper view of ourselves, that we know that we're fallible, that, uh, that we are a people who demonstrate humility and a willingness to learn and to grow, that we're a people who are more concerned with what is right and true and loving rather than just being right or belonging to a certain camp. And there's another piece to this arrogance that Paul is mentioning here. So there's another thing to understand about following Jesus in this time. And that is to know that our hearts are easily influenced one way or another. And this is implied in the very reason that Paul is even giving them a warning. Uh, it's in the Corinthians' desire for these feasts, right? They want to go to these feasts. They want to somehow marry this. They want to have this. And they also want to have Jesus. They want to hold these things together. And it's the desire for these feasts that is compromising their heart. And it may bring them to a place where they're eventually pulled away from Jesus. He's saying, take heed lest you fall. Be careful lest this captures your heart and drags you away from the path of goodness and the path of truth. And I think that this demonstrates uh, what, it, what I think is a major point of tension that exists between following Jesus and some uh, secular paths today. A, a wide range of sources today will tell you to follow your heart. And I mean, you can Google that and you can find quotes from Disney to Steve Jobs saying this. But the biblical teaching is that not every desire of our heart is something that is good. We must be careful about which desires we fill and how we fill them. Uh, we ought to take heed and to be careful because our hearts can sometimes lead us astray. And instead of letting our hearts lead us around by the nose, uh, wherever they'd have us go, we have a responsibility to direct them, right? To direct them to what is good. We have desires, and these desires have both good and bad ways of us fulfilling them. And so we ought to think and meditate on what is good and then, then direct our hearts along those paths. If we let our hearts control us, they're going to pull us into places that are only going to magnify the brokenness in our town and in our community and in our world instead of bringing healing and light and goodness. And so an additional danger exists as we talk about that. This is that we as human beings are largely controlled by what we want. Um, our hearts have a lot of power over us. And if we let our hearts pull us in whatever direction that they want to go, we may have a hard time uh, wrestling them back into line later when we realize that we don't actually want to go where they're leading us. And so our big question, right, is how are we to follow Jesus in this time? And uh, part of that, I think, is, is this second point, to acknowledge that our hearts are easily influenced one way or another, and to be careful about how we commit them. Uh, you could say it this way, we're to be skeptical. We're to be skeptical about what our hearts want. Sometimes what our hearts want might be good, but sometimes it might not be. And sometimes we're going to have to take control of our heart and we're going to have to point it towards what is good and life-giving. And as has been said before, and I think uh, Aaron's mentioned this a number of times, and I think he, I think he has a really good point when he says, says this, that we should also be careful about the amount and uh, possibly even of what sort of media that we're taking in. 
Now, just being conscious that in a spiritual sense, you are what you eat. Uh, and as we consume things, the explanation here is that it affects our values and our beliefs, right? And so in, the, uh, in, in just our, the history of the church, evangelicals have made a big deal of, of reading your Bible daily and praying daily. And I want to say that I think that there's something there. What you take in eventually changes your mind. And then how you change your mind, that eventually changes everything about you and eventually changes the direction in which you go. And I would just add one caution to that. I would just want to caution against fear. I think that to be careful of what we take in and, and to be aware that our hearts can be swayed, I think that that does not mean run from everything. Uh, this doesn't mean shun everything that isn't the church. Uh, and into that, I would say, because if we do that, then how are we supposed to be salt? How are we supposed to be light? How are we supposed to love people if we never interact with them? But I do think that this does mean that we're supposed to be wise in what we consume. So uh, if you're taking in a, a lot of one certain kind of media, you know, maybe that's, maybe there's a challenge here to kind of broaden our horizons a little bit, right? Engage with people different than you and engage with people that think differently than you. Um, if you claim to be a Christian and, uh, you know, and the Bible and prayer isn't a big piece of your life and, and you don't really, you're not interested and you don't really do it, um, that seems maybe unwise if you, if you want to be a follower of Jesus. And so maybe there's some priorities to shift there. Uh, I guess I could say maybe you're a skeptic, right? Or maybe you're outside the church here and you're listening today. Well, maybe, maybe uh, some different sources would be good. Maybe read the Bible for yourself. Maybe ask God if he's there. Maybe ask him to speak with you and ask him what's good and, and see if he meets you in that. So just to recap, right, we've been asking the question, how do we follow Jesus in this time? And we said so far, well, one, it means not to be arrogant, but rather to be uh, people who are humble and teachable. And then what we just talked about is there's also this piece where we have to acknowledge that our hearts are easily influenced one way or another. And then to be careful about how we commit our hearts and then just be careful of the content that we take in. Whew. Okay, moving on to our third point. There you go. Uh, as we read through our passage here, there also seems to be a glaring misunderstanding that seems to exist on the side of the Corinthians, right? It seems like their misunderstanding is the fact that faith and trust in Jesus is not a magic spell. And it doesn't seem to work like they think it does. They seem to think, okay, well, we can be baptized and we can take communion and then we can go on and we can participate in the worship of these idols. So we can go to their feasts, we can go to their festivals, we can do all the things that would happen at those feasts and festivals, which is more than just eating. Uh, and they're like, we can have both. We can do both of these things. And we can do both and engage in both because uh, the baptism and the communion that we've had is kind of this protective spell of some sort. And the key difference here is that being a Christian and following Jesus is not getting insurance and you can now go do whatever you like. It is not that. It is not a magic spell. It is a heart thing. It is a relationship thing. According to Scripture, God, being a person, has now made it possible through Jesus for us to be in relationship with Him. He's made it possible for us to again be connected to the author of life, the fountain of joy, peace, love, goodness. And then He's given this, us this mission to bring those things to the world and then to invite people into that invitation. And 
the fact that this center of Christianity is relationship and not insurance is important to Paul's message here because speaking about the Corinthians, specifically about their hearts, if they continue in what they're doing, their hearts could be swayed away from Jesus. And if they allow themselves to be swayed, it is possible that they fall. And this is why he says, take heed lest you fall. Falling away seems to be possible. Um, ending up in a place where there's no relationship with God. And therefore, there's no relationship. There's no... Yeah, well... <laughs> I don't want to dwell too much on that. I mean, there's so much that could be said, right? I think that's another sermon or another couple of sermons. Uh, but I just want to say that coming to Jesus really is a relational thing. It is not a rubber stamp that we get, and we can now go on and we can do whatever it is that we want. Um, if if you know people who would call themselves Christians who have acted that way, I'm I'm sorry. That is not what it is. It is not this magic spell that we have to go recharge. It is. Uh, primarily relational. And just as we reflect on what that means for us today, uh, if it's primarily relationship-based, then the way that it will grow is the same way as most other relationships. The way that we get to know God is spending time together, honesty and openness between parties, trust and exercises in trust, and uh, experiencing things that will develop that trust together. And it seems to be like a good idea that we should spend time together, right? Maybe even if we're busy, maybe it's good to make time and to set time specifically apart, just having that, uh, that as a goal. And it also means the fact that this is a relationship means it might not look the same for everyone, right? Different relationships are different. They bring out different pieces of us. Uh, different people may feel connected to different people and doing different things. And I think that applies to a relationship with God too. Um, I really like, <laughs> lecture style formats. Maybe you're catching catching this. And I know other people will connect with God through through nature, and they find that as something that speaks to them. Uh, some people really love reading books, and that really connects with them. So uh, other people are really connected during times of prayer, either corporate or individually. Those are just all different ways that God speaks to us, and I think that we spend time in relationship with God, and I think that that variety is is a good thing. And so just to wrap that up, so following after Jesus in this time also means understanding that faith and trust in Jesus is a relationship, and it is not a magic spell. And I, I just want to make one more point out of this text, and I want to draw it out of verse 13 of what we read, 1 Corinthians 10. And this is what it says. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, I mean, with this whole passage, there's a lot we could talk about. I think even the different points that I mentioned, we could go deeper into each of those and, and we will sometime. But I want to focus in on the argument surrounding why this verse was included. And it's most likely that the Corinthians were interacting with Paul, right? Paul is saying, take heed lest you fall. Like, do not do this. This is a bad idea. This is going to lead to destruction for you. And the Corinthians were probably defending themselves and their participation in these feasts because they wanted to hold on to both, right? 
they're probably saying something like, we have no choice, or we can't control the temptation to sin in these circumstances. They're maybe saying something like, how can you blame me for this? And Paul's answer here is emphatic. He says, no temptation has overcome you except what is common to man. God is faithful and won't let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. There will always be a way of escape. And there's a lot of things, even that, that that means. But the part I want to focus on is if we follow Jesus, we are never without the ability to say no to what tempts us. And just some background, all of us struggle in different ways, right? And that's true of me as much as it is as you. We can say us, all of us do. And some of us have weaknesses in one area, and some of us have weaknesses in another area. All of us have pieces of us that we know are destructive, uh, pieces of us that we hate, uh, pieces of us that fight for control over us. Um, there's, there's darkness that lurks inside of each of us. And the promise in here, I think, is that God will preserve your ability to choose. You are never too far gone. Uh, you will never not have the ability to choose. Um, even at the darkest moment, even at the, the very bottom of the pit, there will always be the ability to turn towards the light. There will always be the ability to turn towards goodness, um, even when it feels like there is no choice. And so another powerful thing that that means I think is God promises us that we can change. So we all enter the world at different places, right? Different strengths, different temptations, different experiences. Excuse me. However, we will always have the ability to choose what is good in a situation. We will always have the ability to choose a life in a given situation. We'll always have the opportunity to bring light and love and happy, well, not happiness, but light and life and love into a given situation. And when we feel like we don't, I mean, there could be any number of reasons. Maybe we're not asking him for his power. Maybe we're not reaching out to God for help. Maybe he's given us tools and he's given us community and counselors and all these different pieces, and maybe we're not using those. But I think out of this, I'm going to say, let's not give up in doing good. or Let's not give up in trying to affect our world for good. Let's not lose ourselves to the darkness inside of us. Let's not accept an attitude of apathy. Our choices in every situation really do matter. And I want to make a note about how this ability to choose, uh, I, just, I just know that a lot in our community and a lot, in, a lot of people in the world struggle with mental health issues and a lot of people in our community do too, so I just want to pause there and ask, okay, well, how does this ability to choose interact with mental health? Uh, I'm going to give you the full answer is that I, I, I don't know. I want to recognize that um, our experiences are different. I know that certain of us struggle with despair certain, and darkness, and, and that sometimes feels overwhelming. I mean, the last thing I want to do, and the last thing I believe that the gospel wants to do, which would be the good news, right, the message of God, I think the last thing it wants to do is to pile shame on top of shame on top of shame on you. Yeah, and, and I guess what I want to say is all of you point to this promise. And, and this, is, this is in God's hands to fulfill, not mine, right? But I can say that he's promising this, and I can read it. And so all I can do is point to this promise. And 
God promises that you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. And I think it's worth saying that that doesn't say that it's not difficult. That doesn't say that it's not a fight. Um, but it's a promise that it's not going to be more than we can bear. Uh, just into that, I think I'd point to that promise. And then I think I would say myself or any of the staff, or I mean, I think I can say anyone inside uh, the OBV community here, I think we would love to pray and to talk. And I think that we can help each other through times that are harder. Um, yeah, just in those places where it seems to be too much on our own, let's lean on each other uh, and on God. So in our particular time, uh, I think that this ability to choose, I think that this means that we can bless and we can be there for people, even in the middle of uh, COVID lockdown and uh, you know crazy streaming things that hopefully are working because, uh, well, I'm just going to assume they are. Uh, but let's be creative. Let's choose to love those trapped inside with us, uh, as well as the community around us. Let's choose goodness. Let's choose the expansion of the kingdom of God. Let's not give in to temptation or despair or apathy. Instead, let us give ourselves wholeheartedly to goodness, to light, to love, um, to walking in the Spirit. And then let's move forward into everything that Jesus has for Carlton Place and for Almond, and for the world. And uh, I'm, I'm going to close in, in just a moment. What I'd like to do is just pray first. So uh, prayer is just uh, talking with God. So you can bow your head and close your eyes if you want. Uh, that's, that's what I'll do. But I just want to pray for just, uh, just, just quickly, just for a minute or two, and then I want to conclude what we're talking about. So Father, um, we recognize that, yeah, we just say thank you for the way that, thank you for your word, thank you that you speak to us. Um, we pray that you would, yeah, would, would you help to apply uh, whatever it is that you'd have us hear, whatever it is that you'd have us learn, uh, whatever it is that uh, for us is the next step, yeah, in either coming to you or walking forward with you or learning or, or transformation, becoming more like Jesus, we pray that you would show us. Um, would you speak to us? Just invite you to be present with us here in that. Amen. Okay, so here, let me just close here. So our question was, how are we to follow Jesus in this time? Right? And we've said the following. We said, okay, following Jesus means to not be arrogant, but rather to be humble and be teachable. So maybe some questions there are, are we that? Um, is this something that people would say about us? Like if someone was describing us, is that what they would say? Um, are we willing to change our minds? Are we willing to change our actions about things? Um, are we open to instruction? Or are we more concerned with being right than living what is true? So that's maybe the first piece. And then the second parts are easily influenced one way or the other. And then to be careful about how we commit them and the content that we take in. So maybe some just uh, thoughts there on, okay, well, what kind of spiritual disciplines do we practice? Do we practice spiritual disciplines? Are we directing our hearts toward what is good or are we just letting them pull us wherever we want to go? Do we pray or do we read? 
the Bible often, particularly if we would say that we're Christian, is that something that we do? Um, who do we want to be? And how are we directing ourselves towards that? Um, are we simply following every pull of our hearts, or are we aiming for the good and the beautiful and, and the life of our community and we're pulling our hearts along behind us into that? And then a the third thing was to understand that faith and trust in Jesus is a relationship. It is not a magic spell. So let's... to grow. Are our hearts behind this, or are we approaching Jesus like a magic spell? Um, maybe a good question just in that whole section is, uh, what is it that we want from Jesus, and why do we want to be near him? And then finally, the last point was just that following after Jesus in this time means that we always have a choice to choose the beautiful and the good. So let's do that, forsaking temptation, uh, choosing Jesus, choosing life over death, choosing beauty over despair, choosing love over all, choosing the path of goodness, life, and light, um, choosing Jesus and exploring everything that he has for us. Uh, everything he has for us as a church, everything he has for us as Carlton Place, and Almont, and Canada, and everything that he has for us yeah, in all of our areas of influence. Okay, well, that's, uh, that's the thoughts for today. So uh, what I'll do is I will stop there and I'll go back to you guys, uh, Stefan and Aaron and Jake. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.